Welcome to the John Chapman Show, where we talk about the path of a wealthy millennial, uncovering the truth about building and protecting your nest egg. Join us on this journey as we hear the stories of millennials and mentors alike to help you plan, manage, and protect your wealth. John is an employee of Worth Point LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Worth Point. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. Hey everyone, John Chapman here. Thanks for joining us for another podcast today. Our guest is Chris Wood, a good friend of mine. He runs his own recruiting and staffing company called The Recruiting Collective. I wanted to have Chris on today to share the perspective of a recruiter for uh, those of us who might be looking at changing jobs, either near term or just um, eventually for some career advancement. Uh, obviously, it's uh, it's a different environment out there when you think about advancing your career. It's no longer spend 30 years at the same company and just climb up the corporate ladder. So I wanted Chris uh, to share what she does in today's episode, a lot about how to just change your thoughts around um, you know, job changes and making sure that you can communicate if you are changing jobs more, uh, the reason behind those things. Uh, he talks about just sort of the um, sort of the leapfrog approach that people can take and how to most effectively use it. We also dive into LinkedIn and resumes, and he shares some super helpful thoughts about how to think about uh, polishing a resume, making it targeted, using LinkedIn uh, to expand on your network. So whether or not you're changing jobs today or plan to in the future, super helpful episode. Hope you get a ton out of it. With that, let's bring on Chris. Hey, Chris Wood. Thanks so much for being here today, man. Thanks, John. Super excited to be here. Um, I want you to share with everybody a little bit about uh, where you grew up and what you're involved in today. Okay. Well, I actually traveled every three or four years. My dad moved me around the country, but my formidable years in high school, I grew up outside of Chicago. So yeah, I was there after high school. I decided I wanted to live somewhere warm and I had to get out of Chicago. California. I don't blame you. No polar <laughs> vortex. Uh, no polar vortex, no, uh, no windy city anymore, uh, sunshine and beach. There you go. Did you have any, so, so why California? You were in San Diego, right? Is that where you went to school? Yeah, I went to San Diego State, studied economics. Um, they had a really good business program, and it was one of three schools that were in warm conditions. So I ended up going to San Diego. My dad lived out here. Oh, got it. Okay, that helps to narrow it down. So when you were in school, you studied economics, but uh, you're in sort of the recruiting business now. So what did, what, what did you initially intend to um, have as your first career coming out of school? Oh, I thought I'd be some sort of consultant for Price Waterhouse Coopers or a sales rep for CB Richard Ellis. Like these are the yeah, dude. Yeah, those but, the uh, I got out and I was still working my college jobs, which were not glamorous, and I didn't really know what to do. And a friend of mine in Orange County, California, called me and said, "Hey, I heard you're out of school hiring for recruiters. Would you be interested?" And my first question was, "What's recruiting?" From your perspective, what is recruiting? Oh, there's tons of different names for it. Uh, cat herder is one of them. Uh, <laughs> of course. It's something people say. But no, it's, <laughs> essentially, it's like a broker. I foremost help corporations find people necessary to get help them hit their goals. And on the second half, I work with individuals seeking employment to help them find their career goals. And so I have to find a match between person looking 
as well as the corporation. Hierarchy. Got it. You explained it well and understanding it as a broker and, and more so just like, I guess I was only looking at it from one side of the equation, which is like helping an employee with their goals, but really you're helping a company, you're helping an employer re- you know, reach whatever goals they need to. So they have to equally reach out to you. So you find that it's more one-sided or not. Are you primarily working with institutions and then seeking individuals or vice versa? Oh, no, it's totally both. In order to do well in recruiting and actually be an efficient recruiter, you have to know both what the corporation wants. And that's great if I know what they want. But if I'm calling people blindly, asking them to work at this job, and I know nothing about their career goals or personal goals, um, there's a good chance I won't make a good match. So even though the corporations are the ones that technically employ me, the individual seeking worlds, their biggest thing is I need to know what they are looking for make it successful. Yeah, super. There's a, that makes me think of all of these dynamics and maybe that's some of the other things we can get into later. So you started this job right out of school and you moved up to Orange County. So how many years have you been involved in recruiting then? I began my recruiting career in 2006. So going on 13th year. Wow. Awesome. That's so cool. And uh, <laughs> right in time for a recession, right? Were you 2006 and then, you know, the 08 happened. So what was life like as a recruiter when unemployment was double digits? Oh, wow. That was, that's a really good question. Um, that's actually where I fully started to appreciate the recruiting role. Um, you know, my first two years in the company, I, I was just coming to work, going to my manager, didn't really know what I was doing. I was just head down, hustling, trying to figure out, you know, what my path was. And then I'm thinking there, okay, how can I move up in the company? What's the next step? You know, young, ambitious, career-driven. And all of a sudden, I'm pursuing account management and sales. And then February 2009, we have a huge crash and every one of our customers is laying off. And recruiters can't recruit without customers. They have job opportunities. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know, right? So everyone's kind of scared. We're like, uh, we just went from a $16 million a week corporation to a $12 million a week corporation. What is that going to do for us? Wow. And in the company's like 20, I think it was 25 years at the time, they're um, in that aspect of their business, they had only the second layoff ever. They laid off about probably 20% of our workforce. So that for me, I just sit there and go, wow, I... I had never experienced a layoff. I had no idea. And then it became really interesting when all day long, instead of me looking for people for corporations, I had hundreds of people walking in off the street every day, uh, begging me to help them find a job because you know they were foreclosed on their home. They couldn't provide food. And so for me, I, it, it was a time of growth for me to really appreciate you know being employed. Oh my gosh. I never had appreciated that. Never could understand it having not gone through what you have. Um, just didn't understand that. <laughs> what, a, what a crazy thing that people would be coming to you and then like sharing their, the, I mean, the, the reality that uh, make good on my mortgage payment. <laughs> so get me a freaking job, man. Yeah. So. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like I would love to help you, but I can't. And so it's a yeah. very kind of a defeating feeling. And then at the same time, you're just kind of like, wow, um, I've grown men, my father's age asking me for help. And I'm, you know, I'm 25. What are they doing? <laughs> it was, it was tough. It was really tough. But, um, yeah. It was good to understand. And it really helped me grow as a person to see the longevity of your career, knowing that there's going to be ups and downs. What do you mean by that? 
What do you mean by um, that? Well, for all these individuals, they had spent their life in a career role with a company, with a company that had been there for 30 years. It was the traditional baby boomer. You get hired at a company at a college, or if you went to college and you retire, you know, in your 60s and you get your gold watch and you watch your kid grow up. And this was the first time that wasn't happening. People were losing their, own, their retirement. They were losing their generations, were moving overseas. Um, and so now there were no roles that they can handle. So they had to kind of step back and really, maybe if they were a manager, go back to a lead role or a staff level person role just to pay the bill. Crazy. Oh, man. Super tough. And like, yeah. way to like, just be smacked in the face with reality as a 25 year old. And, yep. you, and then, and then come, come to grips with sort of the arc of people's career and how it's not, you know, it's, it's just, it's just different from today where you're not going to spend 20 or 30 years at the same employer. Oh, I know. It's not even remotely close to that anymore. And a lot of it has to do, I think, with that past Great Recession, um, either a lack of trust on a corporate side for individuals or um, just because they want now to have more control over their life, you know, realize they gave 30 years to a corporation that kind of in a downturn. Now it's like, what do I do to stay afloat and take care of my family? Yeah. Well, so really interesting. Then I guess I appreciate you sharing the perspective of, um, you know, when, when this job became real. So, I mean, going through that 2008, 2009 experience, would you say that it was then that you, you turned this from just like a nine to five job into like a true career that you felt called into? Was there anything else that was sort of like the light bulb moment looking back on it now where you feel like, yes, I'm going to commit to this 110%? Yeah, it was really interesting. It gave me perspective when I was looking at the individuals who had gone to school, doing all the right things, and they worked their way up in their career. And, you know, they found themselves, you know, in hard times. I found out that in a down economy, recruiters are a top 10 job to have. And uh, in up and down, it doesn't matter if it's a great economy, companies need you. If it's a down economy, people need you. And so it gave me kind of a sense, a little bit sense of security, but also opportunity to know that my job can shift back and forth. And I had that flexibility to navigate both sides of the spectrum. And so I got more interested in becoming more professional at it. Hmm, I like that. That's super cool. And that makes me think, you know, fast forward 10 years or where we are today in 2019, and we've got, you know, supposedly record low unemployment. So I want to kind of I guess, get to what, what you see as sort of boots on the ground and how that impacts the, the, the dynamic between hiring and so forth. But I, before we get into that, I kind of want to hit on some things for, for all the people listening, you know, whether or not they're currently changing jobs or may want to in the future, like, let's just break down some really tangible things that um, we can wrap our minds around. What should, let's say you're working at a corporate job and you want to take the next step in your career. You don't think it's going to happen at your current company because there's too many people or whatever reason. So you feel like, you know, you're, in order to make that next leap up, you have to change jobs. So if we start from that frame point, is that even a good place to start? Or yeah, what should, that's, what should that's actually a great place to start. He or she um, be thinking about in this moment? So back in the day, before the Great Recession, if you will, it was climbing the corporate ladder. That was kind of the way you handled your career. You got with a good company, then you worked your way up. That is no longer the scenario. It is corporate lattice. How can I gain as much great experience to make myself more well-rounded so I can handle a multitude of different roles, change directions, pivot when I need to, and not run into a scenario that you had back. In- so it's very interesting, corporate ladder, corporate lattice. So a lot of times today, what people are doing is in order to move up in the company or not in the company in their career is to actually leapfrog from company to company. And that used to be frowned upon because job tenure was so important. Now, anyone who's hiring 
They don't care if you have a new job every year, as long as you can explain from a business or a career standpoint why you did it. If it makes sense and you can explain it, then you're fine. So if you want to get exposure and move up in your career, leapfrog from company to company is totally okay now. So I want to pause there for a second because I'm thinking about trying to, and I really have no personal experience on this, but you know, if I'm working at, I want to, I want to say an employer name, but um, they just say like a, you know, just a, an employer that everyone knows and I'm a hiring manager there and uh, we're, we're adding a ton of people. I would ignorantly assume that if I see a resume and there's, you know, six different employers in the past 10 years. Is there a red flag happening there? Maybe yes, maybe no. So you're saying that it needs, so long as it's justified, it's not that big of a deal. Like no, no. what else is the hiring manager at this super large company concerned about? No, for sure. They are looking at someone to say, okay, if I'm hiring this person, they have to analyze why are they hiring them? Or do they need them for three to five years? Because, you know, the most antiquated question in a job interview today is where do you see yourself in it's, it's, <laughs> okay where do you see yourself in 12 months that's how wow. it looks. as people wow. are pivoting there's so much opportunity with today's technology in the landscape of corporate america it's not about what you're going to do 5 years from now it's what you're going to do in the next 12 to 24 months because even if you hire them into your team there's a good chance that this person may move to a different department or may move up in the, um, or leapfrog to another company again and that's it's mm-hmm. a natural progression it's not a rare thing it's what you actually are seeing more commonly now so that's why most managers probably won't assume that. And so, but doesn't that, does, does that not scare a hiring manager or make them skeptical? Wouldn't it be like just super expensive, you know, for companies to have to deal with that, that amount of turnover? Yes and no. Yes, expensive if you're going to burn through people over and over and over again in a short amount of time. However, if you don't hire someone because you're reluctant to pull the trigger, how much money are you losing by not being able to accomplish your goals? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So let's, um, I guess, going back to somebody that's trying to, what's the, the terminology that you use, lattice? You yeah. that for fun? How do you, Cor- how are you, corporate lattice. That coming? I, I'm not sure if I fully understand what you mean by that lattice. How do you spell so, it? So a lot of times, if you're looking at like, you know, like a lattice, like a, tr- like, a, like a vine goes across sideways as opposed to vertical. Gotcha. Okay. For ladder, you're climbing straight up, going up. How do you get to the CEO level as fast as possible or the next level of leadership? Lattice is, you know what? I'm in HR right now. Um, there's a really great, there's an interesting opening over in product development. Some of my background, you know, I've done projects here in HR, but I, I would love to get more exposure there. And so they make a pivot from their HR career and go over to project management or product management. And then, you know, two years later, supervisory role in HR opens up. But now that they have the exposure from that department, they're, they're actually more qualified than their counterpart, who is just an HR. Super, super interesting. Yeah. So then, um, one, one of the other things that comes up makes me think about is like resumes. I guess I've hear that, um, you know, what, what's sort of the methodology for a good resume in 2019? Uh, I guess I, I hear things like they only look at it for five or 10 seconds anyways. So on the one hand, you need to spend a lot of time to make sure it's polished. And on the other, people won't look at it for more than a few seconds. So how do we wrap our minds about a resume? Resumes, although recruiters would love to get rid of a resume, um, it's standard. It's not going away. It's what we've always done. But there's ways to change that because you're not just a piece of paper anymore. Websites like LinkedIn sonified you into your human being. 
So now it's, we look at everything, not just like, oh, what does this piece of paper say? Because, you know, there's so many statistics, like 50%, 75%, whatever it may be, it's all falsified. Most things on resume aren't falsified. They're just embellished more about what they did. If they touched it, they, they were experts. And so, <laughs> I don't know, right? For the resume, yeah. keep it short and sweet. Um, my first career out of college was, I was there 11 years. I did recruiting, did sales, territory management. I trained recruiters. So I technically am qualified to be a recruiting manager, territory manager, account executive, or a recruiter. But if I go to, to apply at SpaceX and I want to be a recruiter there, I'm going to highlight the six years that I was a recruiter for light industrial in the warehouses and the production machine shops here to Got the it. Got it. Short and sweet and cater that specific area of time that you were good, they were good at it. Focus it on that. That way it makes a match. It's easier for me to go through. Because so yeah. It makes me think of multiple, potentially multiple resumes so that it's just a little bit more tailored rather than just your standard, you print off one resume and you hand the same thing to 10 different companies. Yes, that's the, that's the biggest way not to get called by a recruiter or a company because <laughs> it's not personable. You have to make it geared more towards what you're applying for because okay. most people do more than one job. Yeah. So how should, how, how should somebody interact with uh, a recruiter? <clears throat> Let's say, you know, as opposed to doing it on their own or working with a recruiter, my, my initial thought is that you know, I've, I actually have never worked with a recruiter. So I, I can't say my, my perception of it is like, you're only doing that <laughs> if, you're, if you're desperate or if you don't know or you don't have like a clear vision. But um, I'm sure that's not the right way to think about it. So how should everybody think about working with a recruiter? I'm glad you brought that up. The number one thing I do today when I coach individuals who are currently looking for work, whether it's passively or actively, is I explain to them the importance of always be building and developing your career pipeline. Uh, you shouldn't be waiting until you need a job to be looking for one. You hmm. should bring some sort of dynamic, whether it's a network, it's attending a networking group or an industry type of event, or connecting with people on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a phenomenal opportunity for individuals to build a network in their space that they work in and grow professionals and gain mentors and connect with recruiters and people who are in their space so they can see what's going on. So do you have to work with a recruiter every time you're looking for a role? No. I'd say the biggest reasons you'd want to is if you're trying to break into a new space that you that you don't have a network for. It's been a long time since you've been on the job market and you yeah. know kind of what's out there. We do have our hand on the pulse, but more so than not, most people don't do an effective job while they're actually working by passively building their career path. Um, yeah, totally. If you're looking to be, say you're in a supervisor role and you want to be a manager or a director, you should find other companies that you're interested in or other companies within the same industry and go connect on LinkedIn with those managers or those directors, anyone who would be your next supervisor or next boss. Because one, anytime anyone changes jobs, they promote it on LinkedIn. You see the manager all of a sudden congratulate him on or her as the new director. You can personally reach out and say, congratulations. Oh, by the way, are you backfilling your management position? And it's a direct contact you normally would never have had. You never had that visibility. Fascinating. And that's a huge light bulb. And that's super good perspective. I had never considered, especially for those in like in a corporate world that you're, you're, you're doing two things at once. You're working your nine to five job or whatever. Um, but then you're also sort of keeping a pulse on your future career path, whether or not it's in the same industry or not. And I just never thought about utilizing LinkedIn in that way of looking at other sort of either competitors or peer companies that you would want to work for and specifically seeking out those people. 
So I think that's super good feedback. And I didn't realize that it was necessarily being used, LinkedIn was being used in that manner because it almost, there's this like sense of loyalty that may be old school, but there's a sense of loyalty that, you know, if I'm in my nine to five job, I'm, I shouldn't be then looking because I don't want to get distracted. So I don't know, can you comment on just this sort of like probably potentially inner feeling of loyalty or, or lack of loyalty there? That Absolutely. Maybe- Changes that's, that's actually a very relevant topic. I'm glad you brought that up. Specifically, the workforce in the workplace has changed drastically. And a lot of it, it is funny. You know, years ago, we heard, oh, the millennial, the millennial. It had like a negative connotation in the workforce because there was all these, there's new life in the industry and everyone fears change. So every industry, everyone's graduating college, they're coming out. And this is the post-recession um, high, you know, school loan um, individual coming out, trying to figure out and say, you know what? I saw what happened. I don't have trust in big corporation anymore. I obviously want to get development and training, but it's important to me that there's value to what I do. And so they're going into corporations looking to say, hey, you know, what kind of value, what kind of experience, what kind of knowledge can I get from you guys? You know, I don't know if I'll be here in 30 years, but I want to want to maximize what I get from you as well as give in what I'm going to give to you as well. So I would say there's definitely a lack of trust with the corporation. We're back in the day with our parents. They were more like they trusted in the corporation because that's who they were loyal to and they felt be loyal to them. But in a global economy, it's not that way. Yeah, that's super interesting. I guess there's still, so I still want to get to sort of the um, low unemployment, but if we can, again, maybe just let's flip this. So, you know, I've seen things like, especially maybe coming more so out of Silicon Valley, and maybe they, they sort of, they overmarket this, but employers trying really hard to cater to millennials by having the ping pong table and the no dress code. So there, there's so much changing from like an HR perspective inside a company so that they can, you know, be cool and recruit people. So give me the scoop from a company, from the HR perspective. What are they trying to do? Why are they trying to do that? And is, is it effective or not? So another good thing, I'm glad you brought that up, is, you know, years ago in the same scenario when they were the Googles of the world were promoting ping pong and sleep pods and all the, you know, it, it essentially was kind of smoke and mirrors. <laughs> you, uh, you're getting a job. It's probably lower paying college degree. You get to come to work. You have smoothies brought into your office. You get shuffleboard. You get to play and you get to do yoga on Wednesdays. Well, essentially what you're doing is you're creating an atmosphere that's fun. It's exciting, which is not a bad thing. But if you look at it, you're actually working longer hours than you would have before because okay. you're work and then maybe get something by your computer again and doing a few more emails. And so it was really kind of sticky for a while. And now it's kind of changed and evolved. It's not about Hong Kong and free lunches. Okay. Or about the harmony they have with their personal goals. There's a really cool company down in San Diego. It's called Verve. They do they're the ones that every time you talk or something and Siri picks it up, all of a sudden you have an ad that, that you know comes across you know, how did they know I was talking about, you know, I want to buy uh, and you know that sort of thing. Okay. Structured ads on social media. Well, where they're stationed, they're stationed in this little co-working space block from the beach. They have a gym on site with trainers. They allow them their employees to come in whenever they want. They can come in at 9 a.m., 7 a.m., stay as late as they want, leave when they want. They have a surfboard manufacturer and a, and a mountain bike manufacturer on site. So the mountain bike manufacturer is allowing them to test their bikes out. Surfboard manufacturers letting them use their surfboards during lunch. So these individuals are coming to work at nine, they're doing the work, concentrated, and they go to the gym, 
Then they go grab a bike, that from the guy next door, get a surfboard, ride to the beach, surf, come back, and they do the work the rest of the day. I mean, it's like a phenomenal scenario, right? Would not work in that scenario. They're accommodating individuals because they realize rather than put all these restrictions in these meetings and these reports over and over again, let's let them focus on what they're good at. And so if that means them taking a break in the middle of the day or starting later in the day and working later in the night, they've accommodated that. It's a pretty, it's a pretty impressive situation. Um, it's more about lifestyle perks as opposed to fun at the office. Okay. Lifestyle perks as opposed to fun at the office. Because you, you and I have chatted offline a little bit about yeah. sort of the changing landscape for HR and like lifestyle perks. So are there other companies that you don't have to name them by name, but just like other things that, you know, what are some more examples of lifestyle perks? Number one thing that's negotiated right now, which is kind of something that, that would go with the current economy because employment so low is remote work. Remote work. Yeah. Stay home on Friday or on Monday. They don't want that commute or they want to do something where they can customize their work schedule around their family now. So maybe they come in later because they want to spend the mornings with their kids and take them to school and then they can come in and then they can leave earlier, but they get back on at night. A lot about customized schedules and what's most important to the person that we're hiring. You know, are we going to bring someone in here who's really good at this? Well, what if they have a special special situation at home? What if they have a different type of lifestyle? What if they don't live in the city, but we need to hire them? You know, can we do a telecommute? Can we bring them in once a month? It's a lot of not just you live in Orange County, you work in Orange County. It's you have work for a tech company. Do you work with a future company that's going to stay with in the 21st century? You know, are you going to get new talent? Yeah. The global economy. So then a um, couple more questions before we try to wrap up, but um, we've referenced low unemployment. So what are the dynamics that are super different for either side of the equation now, either corporations or individuals? Or is there one or two things that stand out? Is this generally a positive or in fact, does it make it more difficult on each party's? What's your perspective, Ben? This is the lowest unemployment we've had in over 30 years. Um, it's below full employment. So there are more job openings and there are people to fill them. So for the job seeker, it's their market. This is the time where if you want to make a jump, this is when you do it. You can be strategic about it. Uh, there's a good chance because there are not enough people to do the roles. Companies right now finding it hard to attract talent and the talent they have, retaining them. So if you're looking for a job, you have more flexibility on your negotiation. If you want to negotiate, negotiate a remote work day on Friday. If you want unlimited PTO or an extended week of PTO for extra vacation or personal time, if you want more money, there's a good chance you'll be getting paid at an inflated rate right now in this current market. Um, Super interesting. Never mind. So do, um, but if let's say there's, you know, uh, a decent site, maybe not a, you know, a fortune 500, but if you're thinking a smaller, medium sized company with headcount, I'm not sure maybe you can give me some numbers on this, but you know, headcount of, uh, more than 50, but less than a thousand or whatever it is. So like a small, small to medium sized business, um, and it's an account manager role. And let's just say there's five account managers. Is, is HR really willing to have slightly different terms for each one of those different people, even though they're serving a similar role? Changes by company. So it depends. Is this company in high demand where everyone wants to work there? Is it like a Google or an Amazon or a SpaceX where there's a line at the door for people to work there? Or is it a startup that gives you opportunity to grow? I would say startup and midsize right now, what they'll do is they're offering equity um, or they're offering those lifestyle type of perks, uh, the old Google way, but the new lifestyle way. Okay. Uh, if it's a large corporation, it's, you know, there's a good chance that they're probably going to pay you more money 
but you may still have to work the long hours and have the old school kind of work life area. Okay. So with a couple more final questions and then we should wrap up, but um, okay. is there anything else that we have yet to cover that would be helpful for people that are you know, job seekers or potentially in the future thinking about their career? What else are you like passionate about or do you feel like we need to touch on before we end today? I, I firmly believe, and this is something I didn't do as much earlier in my career, is I didn't get to know my network of, of my industry as, as well as I do now. Um, I, you know, I'm, I sit on three boards for human resources uh, from LA, Orange County, and San Diego. I get to really understand what the pains of people in my industry are and really get to, it really helps me just investing in myself. Mm. I'd say anyone right now who's either in the beginning or middle stages of their career path, you know, take that extra effort to connect with more people in your industry, find a mentor and attend at least one industry event a quarter because it always pays to get a different perspective because you only have the perspective of what people in your current company and your current personal network are. You need to get outside your, those networks and find new people. Totally. I love that. So let's just take uh, like another example because you've been talking about in your industry. You know, if you work in SaaS or med tech or something like that, what you're saying is, is, is you know, go to the industry events that are, you know, above and beyond the calling of duty of just your nine to five job and, uh, and trying to like, you know, network with, I guess, other companies within that world. So you mean another example of what this SaaS or med tech guy would be doing, you know, above and beyond his normal job? Yeah, they'd be going to an event, maybe at a, uh, there's a really great de- medical device group here in Orange County that every other month they have a social, which is more casual. It's come meet with people, you know, take some time off of work to get to know everyone on a personal level. You meet CEOs, R&D managers, sales reps, you meet everyone in your space. And you get to learn about companies that maybe you weren't aware of. It's more casual. It's, it's, it's less stressful. It's nice. But then every other month, they host an event at a large employer like Medtronic or Edwards Life Sciences or an Endologics. And so, wow, I've been trying to get into Endologics for a year. Well, you know, you can go to the event and guess what? head of HR and the COO were there. So you could have had direct contact with someone, actually got to know them and then, you know, bridge that gap of relationship. And maybe you see the open position, you can reach out to them directly. So now wow. you're really helping out your, your career path. On that. That's awesome. Well, Chris, we've talked about a ton. I really appreciate your perspective for uh, for any everybody and just in terms of ways that they're thinking about the the new economy, low unemployment, LinkedIn and stuff like that. So we'll probably have to have you on again in the future. So Chris, thanks so much for being here. Oh, absolutely. I would love to come on again. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.